May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I'm looking around to see whether you're a Radio 2 congregation or a Radio 4 congregation. So I'm going to take my chances and go with Radio 2. And I wonder if you listen to Chris Evans' breakfast show in the morning. And if you do, you'll be familiar with a, a slot. comes in about 7.30 in the morning when children phone in and say what they're going to do for the first time that day. Now I wonder if you did anything for the first time this week. Well I did. I attended the Scotland versus Australia rugby match at Twickenham last week and it's the first time I've been to Twickenham and haven't left five minutes before the end. It's also the first time I've abused a referee and I have sought forgiveness for that. But also this week I attended for the first time a meeting of the trustees of Borderline and it was my first meeting and I didn't really know what to expect. I had received a pack of papers in the post the week before and I had read through them finding lots of statistics, lots of numbers, lots of coloured graphs but to be completely honest with you I didn't understand them. I couldn't see the story that they were trying to get through to me. And then, as that meeting progressed, the outreach worker, whose vocation it is to get close to homeless Scots in London, gave his report. Well, you could say it's his job, but after listening to his report, it's a vocation, it's a calling, and it's much more than just a job. But as he gave his report, he referred to that page of numbers and he gave the numbers a name. Those numbers were real people with real stories, real hardship, real needs. And suddenly, the story that I had been blind to started to come alive. The stories I couldn't see when reading those papers Suddenly, I could see, and they were real. And as I sat listening to the outreach worker give his report, my thoughts started turning to the text for today, and what about the sermon? I knew it was about Bartimaeus, and I knew we were going to sing Amazing Grace, but I still couldn't see what I was going to say. And in that meeting at Borderline, as the outreach worker spoke, I saw there was a sermon. In the Gospel today, we actually get to know the name of the man who Jesus heals. <coughs> so often, the people that Jesus heals are not named. But today, Bartimaeus' memory is preserved for us. And we even learn his father's name. And that's a reminder to us that the people that Jesus healed in the course of his ministry were flesh and blood. They were human beings, not symbols of this 
or that condition, not symbols of an illness or a disease. Like borderline, they weren't numbers on a piece of paper, they were real people. The poor and impoverished and disadvantaged were people with real feelings, people with a family history, people who once upon a time they had a family who loved them, who took care of them, whether or not that family are on the scene any longer. People like the homeless Scots that Borderline helps. And it's important for the church to this day to be reminded that the poor and the disenfranchised to whom we are called to minister are not statistics, not broad, faceless, socio-economic categories about whom to talk in the abstract, the way that politicians do. The people in our streets, not a hundred yards away from this building and all over this city, they are real people. They bear the image of God. Actually, although politicians are good at abstractions when it comes to people groups, one can note that during an election campaign, nothing warms up a candidate's image more than as when he can say something like, Last week I was talking to an unemployed steelworker in Motherwell. His name is Frank. And Frank told me. And then I said to Frank, and it's folk like Frank that makes me want to be your leader. Jeremy Corbyn did it during his campaign and during the first Prime Minister's questions. Give that person a name that looks as if you're paying attention. The politics and Jeremy Corbyn aside, maybe there is another lesson in the naming of Bartimaeus, that when the poor do speak up, when the poor do cry out to someone reputed to be important and powerful, society's first inclination is to shut them up. Maybe the good citizens of Jericho saw this man as a social embarrassment, and I saw a blow to civic pride. Letting Jesus see him would make them all look bad. Best to shut him up. But the tawdry nature of human pride is on display here too. In that moment, the man is invited to come over to the VIP in their midst. Now suddenly people flock to him, treat him suddenly as if he is important. It's amazing how quickly we can pivot from avoiding, if not actively dissing a person, to wanting to cozy up to him or her the moment that that person gives us a connection to someone famous. And we can all relate to that, I'm sure. In any event, there are a lot of social dynamics going on in today's Gospel story, most of which are instructive for the church today. But for us, we shouldn't wait until God or Jesus calls a poor person over. And surely we shouldn't, in the meantime, be silencing the voices of the voiceless. The Gospel shows that Jesus already has called all this world's disenfranchised, lowly, marginalised and invisible people to him. 
This is the reality in which the church exists. We don't have to wait to see if Jesus will notice the little people. He already has. What are we to do in response is rather obvious. Our response is the response of faith. The story of Bartimaeus the blind beggar begins in darkness. It begins in emptiness. It begins in raw need. And as such, the son of honour, which is what the word Bartimaeus means, offers us a portrait of faith. And this is what faith looks like. Faith is needy. Faith is eager. Faith is assertive. Faith is hopeful. Faith is impetuous and persistent and risky and raw. Faith is personal and relational. Faith ends something and faith begins something. Faith is about God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And faith is about us. Most of all, faith will often lead us to places where we rather wouldn't go. Now, as usual, the language of Mark's Gospel is lean and muscular. Once again, Mark cuts to the chase, right to the heart of the matter, no fuss, no frills. Listen to the words that are used to describe Bartimaeus. He begs, he shouts, he shouts even louder, he jumps up, he throws off, and immediately he follows. He follows Jesus all the way to the cross. There's nothing cool or careful about Bartimaeus. There's nothing proper or pious or proud. There is no mirage of self-sufficiency to distance him from Jesus. There is just uppity, persistent, honest need. And in offering that need assertively and eagerly to Jesus, Bartimaeus finds purpose. He finds faith. He finds new life. He was blind, but now he sees. If you watch Dragon's Den, you'll be familiar with Duncan Bannatyne. You may have seen him on Songs of Praise a couple of years ago. And that night on Songs of Praise, he announced he's not a Christian. He rarely goes to church because worship is an inefficient use of his time. And that angered me. But then as that programme evolved, the anger turned to fascination by the passion of the man. The passion to improve the health of orphan children, particularly in the Eastern Bloc of Europe. He was putting his money where his mouth was. Now I still don't know if Duncan Bannatyne worships, but somehow his eager, assertive vision seemed new. As if he had been given a new way of seeing his money and his wealth. And maybe he has decided to follow Jesus. 
Maybe he has decided to follow Jesus, the same Jesus he first met long ago in a Scottish Sunday school. And if we go back to our Sunday school days, or to the image of the children's Bible, I wonder what image you recall. For me, it's the image of Jesus who shooed away the adults so that he could play with the children. But now at this <clears throat> middle-aged stage of my life, there is another Jesus who energises my faith. And that's the Jesus in today's text. Instead of Jesus giving me what I want, Jesus says and makes me do most of the work. Jesus asks me as he asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And in the simple brilliance of that question, we are forced to decide what is really important in our lives. Bartimaeus' answer is the answer of mature faith. I want to see, he says. I want to see the way things really are so that I can follow you, Jesus, wherever you may lead me. Now, before we go on and wax eloquently about the wonderful miracle of today's healing story, let's just be clear about what the text is saying. To see with the healing power of Jesus' touch is to see a real world, a world of pain, a world of sin, a world of evil. Yes, to see with the new eyes of Bartimaeus is to see all the beauty and all the wonder and all the grace of God's brilliant and breathtaking creation. But it's also to see the cruelty and the greed and the prejudice that God's children are produced supposedly in God's name. Once we have seen with the heart, then we need to go where our heart leads us, to the very heart of Christian faith, which is the gracious heart of Jesus, who stretched out his arms to us all. And today, we need to look carefully at this institution that we call the church, and then judge just how closely we are embodying the compassionate and the graceful heart of Jesus. In the Kirk, we are called to be reformed and always reforming. We affirm that we are being healed again and again to see things in new ways, in fresh ways that we are constantly being called to jump up, to throw off the comfortable cloaks of the blind past and to follow Jesus enthusiastically and gratefully into the unknown dangers and the unimaginable opportunities of that which are to come. Will Campbell, an American Baptist, tells a story about his own awakening vision as a follower of Jesus. When he was a teenager growing up in rural Mississippi, he witnessed a classic Ku Klux Klan lynching. A black man was caught stealing at the mayor's house. The upstanding white citizens in the community reacted with gleeful rage. They tied the man to the back of a car and dragged his body along the gravel road, shouting hate and throwing rocks. 
Finally, they dumped his body by the white cemetery, leaving his shredded flesh to fester in the blistering sun. Campbell remembers going with the other teenagers in town to shout and spit insults at the broken body. It was only years later, when Campbell caught the vision of God's kingdom, that he understood for the first time the justice and compassion and the dignity that God intends for all. It was only then that Campbell looked back on that vicious day in Mississippi with new eyes of faith. He saw the brutality and horror of what he and others had done to another child of God. Today and every day, when we ask for a new sight, we must be prepared for changed vision, for letting go of the prejudices, the fears, the myths that had narrowed our living for too long. Today and every day, we must stop seeing things as numbers on a page and start seeing people. We need to see and live our faith. And I started talking about Chris Evans, and I'll finish by recalling recently a thought for the day on that same programme that was delivered by the Reverend Richard Coles. And he suggested that to treat life as less than a miracle is to give up on it. Well, today, eagerly, painfully, obediently, Bartimaeus refuses to give up on the miracle called life, the miracle called faith, the miracle called Jesus. He jumps up and grabs the guts and the grace of the Christian life. And he calls us to do the same. Amen.